rotates in seasons. It does. This season will pass. And some of you are saying, oh no, I love this season. Other people are doing, I want this season to pass. But life rotates rotates in seasons, moms, and likely your best season with your child is yet to come. everyone. I want to welcome you to the Single Mom Cast, brought to you by Rise Single Moms, an organization that's over 20 years old now. I'm Pam Keneally, co-founder, and I'm recording this solo today. <laughs> Plus, I want you to know I'm very impassioned by this topic on how to navigate relationships with adult children. Now, normally when we try to make our podcast or we do our podcast, we try to make them inspirational with fun comments and stories here and there. But I want to tell you today, this podcast is more informational, lots of information. And I want your ears to hear this most of all. Not all of the information you're going to hear today will fit your situation. It just won't. But hopefully you'll take away a few empowering nuggets from what I know to be true about navigating relationships with adult children. Friend, you have likely joined us because you have an empty nester or an adult child, or maybe this child is married and you're wondering if the struggle you're facing is normal, or perhaps you're seeking advice on how to better communicate with your adult child. Well, If that's the case, then hopefully this podcast will will be of help to you today. So let's just start with a word that starts with an M, and it's motherhood. (laughs) Isn't it an interesting yet and wonderful and yet very painful word? So I want to start today by read a little bit of a blog I wrote a few years back. It's called Fostering a Great Relationship with Adult Children, so let me... Let me start here. Motherhood. For nine months, you carry the child in your tummy with every thought and body change reminding you that your life is about to be forever different. You anticipate the greatest odyssey known to mankind, raising another human being. After birth, you pass through the cuddle stage and then the toddler stage that demands every moment. You soon progress into the preschool years, the middle school saga, And finally, the graduation launch. For nine months, 6,570 days, your entire life has been consumed with thoughts of their well-being, growth, and maturity. And then, bam, they leave the nest and your role forever changes. So how does a mom go from being needed to not being needed? How does she thrive in a role that's unchartered? And better yet, How can she relearn the way she's always performed motherhood? It's hard. Yet never before has she needed God's guidance more, redefining the boundaries and her newfound identity demands a renovated mindset. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to kind of put ourselves in a position to grasp a renovated mindset today as we move forward. You know, we're talking about empty nesters. We all know what that is. It's, it's a time when the child transitions out of the family of origin and into their adult identity. Usually it's eight, 
18 to maybe 20 or 22. Um, And yet it can be messy because I want you to know that our brains aren't fully developed until until we are 26. (laughs) So they are not, their brains aren't fully developed yet. So it might be icky sticky. They may be going wacko. I don't know, but you need to keep this in mind as well. So the big question becomes, moms, for you, and I'm very sensitive about this as I'm speaking to primarily single moms, how difficult this is, but actually most all moms feel this way. But I want to talk about how the mom feels and how the child feels. Typically, the mom feels grief. She'll feel emptiness. You know, she might feel adrift like a boat without a rudder. She may feel fear or worry, and we can certainly understand that, or sadness or loneliness or unworthiness, which really we have to be careful with that one because it can morph into depression. Or she can feel overwhelmed that life is not like it used to be. She can feel a loss of identity. And here's a big one. (laughs) Hello. She can feel guilty. Did I do enough? While others might sense a feeling of pride. The child is leaving. They're happy. You know, if things are on good terms, there may be a sense of pride in a way, a good pride. You know, there uh, may be a feeling of elation, exactly. So listen here, whether, whatever you're feeling, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not right or wrong to feel the way you feel. It is normal to struggle. And again, like I said, as a single mother, it's especially difficult, the adjustment. So the empty nest can produce, like I said, serious heartache because when someone you love leaves, there's loss because the child transitions into no longer needing you like they did before. Ouch. You know, there's heartache because you're left with sorting out this new season. It reminds me of the weaning process of your baby when she was nursing. There is a weaning process, and it can be painful. Yet for the child, the feelings are quite different, unbeknownst to the child. (laughs) It's a period of intense identity exploration, finding out their career, who they are, testing beliefs, wanting independence. It's a period of self-focus. Listen, they can be selfish, their own needs, their own wants and development. But you know what? Relax. This is normal. This intense self-focus is really part of the growth process. But here's another one. Um, Unbeknownst to the child, it's a period of instability. They don't know that. But they actually can be stuck between two worlds, being an adolescent and being an adult. And, you know, they may feel overwhelmed by their newfound freedom because they don't know what to do with it. So what I want to do in this podcast is share possibly 10 actions or adjustments that you're going to need to consider if you want to continue or if you want to reestablish a good relationship with your adult child or empty nester. I love what a quote I found from Dr. Goldsmith. He said, parents who understand the state of emerging adulthood are in a better position to help their emerging adult children successfully navigate this crucial life stage and in doing so lay the foundation for better parent-child relationships. So I said all that to say as we're trying to get a renovated mindset, moms, uh, you need to take the responsibility for your own power of influence. But I know you're asking how. 
So here's the first point I want to share. I'm going to share 10 of them, and here's the first one, first actions to take. And the first one is this. Mom, know your role. You've been so many things. You've been a friend. You've been an employee. You've been an aunt. But no role is more important than the role of a mother, and no role has taken more of your heart. And now, all of a sudden, your role changes. And it's hard. It's hard to give up control, isn't it? So I want you to consider these things as you consider your role. You need to stay in your lane. And this means that your role now means moving from the front lines to the sidelines. There's a sense of detachment. I mean, you need to be willing to put yourself in the back seat of your child's life and to grieve the loss of the front seat. I know it's so hard. I know it is. Um, Knowing your role means moving from being a coach to a prayerful observer, and hopefully eventually from a coach to a cheerleader if possible. Your new role means moving from being a helicopter parent when they were small kids to an emerging rescue parent when they're teenagers. And now, you know what? This is painful. You're a standby parent. You're a standby parent just watching it all happen, and it can be so painful. I know my son moved to Hawaii upon graduation, and, <laughs> you know, of course, what 18-, 19-year-old or 20-year, I think he went when he was actually 20, would want to go to Hawaii and go to school in Hawaii. So, of course, he was elated. But guess what? How do you think he felt when his mama came to see him? <laughs> you know, I had expectations, and they didn't happen. And I realized when I was over there that I had to respect the fact that he was living his life, which leads to my next point, which is this. Moms, in your new role, you need to find ways to respect them as a person, to validate them, to listen to them. Just these are certainly important things to consider. You know, I read this quote, too. I don't know who said it, but it says, giving the respect and space they need can be challenge, can be a challenge, but it's necessary for the health of your relationship. If they have chosen a path for themselves that's different than the one you would have chosen for them, you need to remember that the choice is theirs, and it shouldn't affect the love you have for them or they have for you. For example, choosing a different religion or none at all isn't a statement about their feeling for you or judgment of your success as a parent. So <laughs> you'll need to be careful to not allow your opinion of their choices to taint your interactions with them. Hmm, that can be hard. Something else about knowing your role moms is it includes showing unconditional love. Of course, of course, honor and cherish. It means that you see them as the same as you, not as someone that is bad or wrong in any way, but you just see them in a way that where you allow them to live their life. You know, it is, it's hard. I mean, you may want them to change, um, but I read this as well. It is only when someone feels totally unconditionally loved for who they are right now that they will ever be open to changing. And I love a quote I read by uh, Wayne Dyer. He said, love is the ability and willingness to allow those that you care for to be what they choose for themselves without any insistence that they satisfy you. Oh, that's a hard one. And Billy Graham said, it's God's job to judge. 
It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And, friend, it's your job as a parent to love. So you need to know your role. Just know your role. Readjust your role. Another aspect I want to share is uh, about knowing your role is keep the lines of communication open. Dr. Goldberg said again, finally, and perhaps most importantly, parent-child must maintain open communication. This is the overarching key to navigating the complexity describing a child emerging into new life skills. Parents can and should be able to voice their concerns. Emerging parents can and should be able to ask for distance, for support, for closeness, in direct, appropriate ways. And all of the above tasks are made easier, moms, when you and your child can talk openly. I guess I, I could I could sum it up by saying lead with connection, not correction, in your conversations. You know, when I went to see Jason, I had to talk about things he wanted to talk about. I had to talk about things he wanted to talk about. I had to know the difference between a conversation and a lecture. If I was doing most of the talking, it was a lecture. If I was listening, it was a pleasant conversation. And that was an adjustment for me, for sure. Um, I want to add, friends, in this communication process, it will be important to listen without interjecting too much and not correcting your child's story. Um, This is hard, but in cases where it's really difficult, I would advise be compassionate if your child is reactive to you. They're literally, honestly, channeling their own inner child. They're still trying to figure it out. I mean, you're an adult. You've already figured it out. But they're still just trying to figure it out. And if you've messed up, Mom, as I did, as you have or will, if you've messed up, it's necessary to apologize in a way that's validating them, and that's important. But at the same time, I want to reach out just a minute on the sidetrack. Mom, if your child is toxic to you, dangerous to you, um, you can make the decision. Don't accept abuse. You can calmly enforce your own boundaries. And if they're lashing out at you, you can just simply lovingly ask for time and space and choose to love them from afar and just let this time be what it is. Um, it's so hard when you feel emotionally and physically abused, but there is safety in making that wise decision. So moms, know your role. So uh, the next thing I think would be wise for you to do, moms, is examine your expectations. You know, our expectations just get us in trouble. They do. I read another blog, wrote another blog one time. It says, nothing causes a woman to need Jesus more than motherhood. <laughs> If I have ever heard an amen from you, I'm probably hearing it now. No matter what stage we're in as mothers, our children can disappoint us. I've heard so many mom stories over the years, and yes, children are the greatest blessing on the planet, but they can crush our hearts like none other. But I've discovered that often the problem is not so much them as it is us. Perhaps we've not considered a very important component, which I talked about, expectations. I mean, you know the expectations I'm talking about. (laughs) You expected your teenager to tell the truth. You expected your college daughter to use better judgment. You expected your son to remember you on Mother's Day. You expected, you expected, you expected. Ouch. You had an inner belief or wish based on a personal need that something would and should happen, and it didn't. And now 
you uh, have all these unmet expectations you're facing. They're causing you anger, grief, sadness, or even bitterness. And you think, why can't they see the error of their ways? Why is it so hard for them to see how selfish or stupid or insensitive they're acting? (laughs) I understand. These questions become so hurtful when we realize that it isn't possible to fix or change the problem. But there is a lot we can do to make the problem worse, Mom. So what's a mom to do? Here's our expectations. I cannot, here's your things you cannot expect, moms. I cannot expect my child to make the choices I think they should. I cannot expect my child's priorities to be the same as mine. I cannot expect my kids to have the same relationship with me as they did when they were young. Yes, moms, I want to throw this in. Separation and loss is misery. And for a child, when you feel this way, it's agony. I know. Another expectation, I cannot expect my kids to always want me around. I mean, that's so hard. I mean, why not? We're precious. <laughs> but we cannot. I cannot expect my kids to have the insight I do. I cannot expect them to communicate with me the way I want them to. And I cannot expect my kids to always welcome my advice, even though I want them to. Ouch. How are you doing? Are you being brave enough to listen to the rest of the podcast? (laughs) I hope so. Um, But praise God, here's what I can expect. This is good news. I can expect God to give me wisdom and how to best relate to my children and pray for them and love them unconditionally. I can expect God to fulfill his purposes for my child's well-being. I can expect God to do exactly what he says he will do. I can expect God to give me the strength to endure and always be there for them. And I can expect God, I love this one. And moms, I know this to be true because I've seen it in my own kids. I can expect God to fashion all the messy pieces together for good. And I can expect God continue to use me as an example in their lives. So with that being in mind, if you're having a problem with your expectations, you might want to write down verse 62.5. It's so beautiful. It says, My soul waits for God alone, for my expectation comes from Him. Mm, That's so good. My expectation comes from Him. So what's the next thing we can do, moms? The next thing we can do is let go. That was it. We can let go. Let go of what? Let go of control. Let go of our children's problems. That's so hard. We can let go of ruminating, feeling I didn't do enough. I'm a failure as a mother. We can let go of blaming or feeling responsible for their adult choices. That's what we can do. Um, I have a poem that somebody gave me years ago called Letting Go. And it is so incredibly great. Let me read it to you. The author is unknown, and so I put, and I saw I added to it. <laughs> author unknown and Pam Keneally wrote this poem. To let go is not what you think. To let go doesn't mean to stop loving. It means I can't do it for someone else. To let go is not to sever the relationship, but to realize that my efforts to control only wears me out. 
To let go is to admit some things are out of my ability to repair, and it's to disband the tiring belief that if I perform a certain way, something will change. To let go is to admit powerlessness, which means the outcome is not in my hands. To let go is not to fix someone. Oh, that's hard. Is not to fix someone, but is to let them make their own choices. To let go is not to be enable them, but to allow learning from natural consequences. To let go is not to judge, but to allow someone the right to be a human being. To let go is not to be settled that I might not get what I wanted, but that God is more than enough. To let go is not to nag, scold, or argue, but to take the problem to God. And to let go is not to capitalize on others' thoughts, but to correct my own shortcomings. And the last one, to let go is to experience the deep, a deeper dependence on Christ, knowing he will enable me to come out on the other side. Again, a powerful verse, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Mm, I'm so thankful for that. So many times, moms, I have struggled with this adult child, children thing, just trying to know what to do, and I can testify that when I let the Lord, he strengthens me in making the wise decision, and he wants to do that for you too. Moms, another thing, a thing that you can do in action is do refeather your nest. I mean, the world needs you out there. God has a new chapter for you. I started Arise Ministries after my children graduated. God still has much for you. So actually, you have two choices. Be sad and stay stuck or move forward and reframe your purpose. Reframe your purpose. But here's a caution before I talk about refeathering. Do avoid leaning on your child for support, especially emotional support. They want to see you strong. They don't want to feel responsible for your happiness. So how do you refeather your nest? A lot of ways you make new friends. You find a support person or support group. You take up a new hobby. I don't know, painting, go to concerts, go to, make, to church, meet new friends, garden, cook. I don't know, take up a new hobby and, you know, always practice healthy doses of self-care because I discovered, friend, listen, mom, if you put all your energy into caring for your kids, your adult kids, you'll only end up depleted. You will. And self-care is not selfish. So um, refeather your nest. What does God have for you? And then another action. And sometimes I say the best to last, and this isn't the last, but it is a great one, is pray. Do trust the process that Christ is always working. Friends, there's nothing greater than you can give your kids than to pray for them because God answers prayers. God answers prayers. I love the advice that um, Stormy O'Martin gave about raising adult kids. Six points, seven points. She said, seven things every parent of an adult child needs to know. Number one, you need to know it never ends. <laughs> Friends, my kids are grown and gone and married and have children of their own. And I'm telling you, caring for your adult kids never ends. 
you need to know it never ends. And friend, personally, that's why you need Jesus along your side, giving you wisdom along the way. Number two, you need to know you can't fix them. Number three, you need to know that God can change everything. Number four, you need to know you must stop blaming yourself. Moms, single moms, I know that you did the best you could concerning the conditions in which you raised your child. I have never met a single mom that said, I tried to damage them on purpose, ever. As moms, we all do the best we can in different situations. So don't blame yourself. Number five, you need to know you have to forgive. You have to forgive. Number six, you need to know there is only one perfect parent. It's not you. It's not your parents. Of course, it's our Heavenly Father. I love to hear that one. And number seven, you need to know you can wholeheartedly say, for this adult child, I prayed. Yes, we talked about that a minute ago. Prayer, prayer, prayer is so important. So what else? What are a few other things, actions to consider that are more, I call them more internal adjustments. You have some internal things that you need to take care of. Uh, First of all, don't be hard on yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. Don't define your worth as a parent by their actions. Your well-being cannot be based on their behavior. Or you and I are both in trouble. I love what I read about our worth in Christ. It says, our worth as a parent is not dependent upon our child's accomplishments. Our identity as a person is not dependent upon our success as a parent. We are of value not because of our achievements or those of our child. We are of value because we are God's creatures created in the image and likeness of God, totally loved by God. Listen here. All else is secondary. Don't fall prey to feeling like a failure because they made other choices. Don't fall prey to the perfect parent syndrome. We've just said there's not one. And we've already talked about don't be hard on yourself. Don't blame yourself. You need to remember, like I said, your parents weren't perfect. And did you know that great moms have kids that make poor choices? I'm going to say that again. Great moms have kids that make poor choices. Let that soak in. And another thing, an internal adjustment. Put a star by this in your head. Don't hang on to guilt. Friend, listen, if you have a conscience, then guilt is going to be of one kind or another. It's going to be inevitable. It's just inevitable as mothers. And because life is full of trouble, life is packed with guilt. That's just part of that's just part of it. But let it go. Let it go. It gets you nowhere. Let it go. Let it go and start anew. Reframe your thoughts. Another internal thing that you might want to consider is be careful about not manipulating them or lecturing them or blackmailing them or criticizing them or I call it guilting them. That's like when you say, well, you brought your friend a gift. What about mine? Be careful not to guilt them. Um, I read a quote. I love this. <laughs> it, it says this. 
keep your mouth shut and leave the welcome mat out. I'll repeat, repeat it again. Keep your mouth shut and leave the welcome mat out. Friends, listen, we bring adult kids to a healing place not by what we say, but by what we do. By what we do. You have so much influence in your child now. Another point that I just mentioned is don't criticize their ideas. Don't say, I told you so, or things would go better if you were doing what's right. I mean, that is so degrading, or you should consider making different choices. Friends, statement like, statements like these disrespect them in their growth process. And I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, unsolicited advice always comes across as criticism. I had one, a mom once say, well, I'm just being helpful. No, you're being hurtful with an empty nester or an adult child. I'll repeat it again. Unsolicited advice, it really does come across as criticism. I know because I've tried. It doesn't work. And then something else, be careful not to say anything that implies that, you're, that you are anything less than totally proud of your child. You say, but Pam, what if they're in jail or what if they're... Well, you can say, you know, you made some wrong choices, but I still love you. Um, don't deny love or approval if they made poor choices. Don't, and also something else is don't grant financial help only if you say something like, if you get in church, I'll, I will give you financial help. Don't do that it's either. And, you know, take time talking together about things and know when to talk and when not to talk. And another thing I want to say is be careful not to argue with his choices. But you do have to respect and honor his right to choose his own path. You should not act hurt or wounded by his choices. You should not expect him to change so you can feel better. Let me repeat that. You cannot expect him to change so you will feel better. These are selfish, fear-based reactions on your part. That's why you pray, 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 because God sees the outcome, and God is, is working. Another action that I call an internal action is don't make them feel responsible for your well-being. Don't make them feel responsible for your happiness. I've already mentioned that, but as you reinvent your relationship with them, be mindful, too, not to lean on them for emotional support. I just mentioned that, and also, this is hard as well. You may just have to be careful with this. Is don't check in with them too much. They are growing their own independence, and they will more likely come to you if they don't feel like your happiness is dependent on them. So you're going to have to figure out a way to work with flexible ways to keep in touch to where you don't keep in touch too much. And the last one, it really is a positive thing to consider internally, and that is that life rotates in seasons it does this season will pass and some of you are saying oh no I love this season other people are doing I want this season to pass but life rotates rotates in seasons moms and likely your best season with your child is yet to come just let them get go go through this growth process do your part to love them enable them respect them the best you can and trust God with the outcome. That's your part. And then the last thing I want to say in wrapping up this podcast today, and it's an internal thing, and I don't know where you are, moms, if you're listening, if, you're, if you've picked up a few things from this, or you're downtrodden, 
listen, be careful. Don't lose heart. God is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. They're growing up. They're, they're establishing a life of their own. God still has a plan for you. I love the, the psalm, the, the um, Job 42, too, says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours, God, can be thwarted. God is up to something. God is up to something. Um, remember what Jesus said. I remember what Jesus said in John. He said, my father is always at work, and I am at work, too. Moms, you need to know that in, in not losing heart that God has not forgotten about you. In fact, when you were a mother and you were feeding your child, nursing your child, did you ever forget to feed them? Did you ever, like, go a whole day and thought, oh, my goodness, I forgot to nurse them? Listen to this verse in Isaiah. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, God says, I will not forget you. It is impossible. God sees where you are. God loves you. You are on his radar screen. And you can take heart that you can be confident that he began a good work in you and your child, and it's his job to complete it. Don't lose heart, but do be smart. I just thought of that. That rhymes. <laughs> Don't lose heart, but do be smart. That is a great lo- That is a great little quote. Don't lose heart, but do be smart. And know that you are still a powerful, powerful influence. There are joys ahead with your adult children. With your adult, adult children. Just take it to God. Settle it in with Him. And trust Him for the future. Because God has said so many times, I am with you. I will walk you through this. And he has said that nothing is impossible with him. God bless you as you move forward in establishing amazing relationship with your adult child.